I started started this journey with with CrossFit going, oh, you know, I can get stronger. I just found that as I was going, I really liked it. But boy, I was getting, I was, I was hurting because I didn't know why my back would lock up doing deadlifts. I had zero clue why. Like, yeah. oh, it's just part of the process. Like, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Right. And so where in this journey were you thinking, man, I need to just stop doing what I got my degree in and start owning a gym? Because that's quite a transition and a scary one. <laughs> All right, so cheesy intro line in three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Fitness Line Down podcast, where I am your host and owner extraordinaire, Corey Kripe. So long overdue, we need to bring, I've hit some really good states on this podcast. We've been to California, we've been to Buffalo, New York, we've been to Illinois, Ohio, um, maybe a few other places that I'm not in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's time to bring into the fold Iowa. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows that there's so many interesting things in Iowa. Now, when I say this, so what I want to do is uh, Scott and I, so this is a friend of mine and another fitness professional and colleague. Uh, we met a few years ago and kind of our relationship has blossomed and we've really enjoyed each other's um thoughts and processes. And I've been invited to his wonderful gym to do a DVRT workshop. And I just want to unpack a little bit about what's going on with Scott, because he is quite a fascinating character. Um, fascinating in a good way, Scott. I don't want to make this sound like, a, you know, the, the left-handed compliment over here. So um, without further ado, I got Scott Schultz from Impact Fitness and was it Impact Fitness Nutrition. I mean, you guys really change your names a lot. And I, I can't keep up. <laughs> well, um, well, first off, uh, I appreciate you uh, getting me on the podcast today. Uh, it's, this is going to be fun. Um, yes. There's there's definitely a backstory to, to how Impact Fitness and Nutrition was created. Um, and that's our new, uh, new name that we started this year. Um, we started out as Impact Athletic Performance. Okay. And, and with that, the, the whole story, and, and I think we'll unpack and peel off the layers of this onion, um, over the course of this conversation, um, is all started with about Bill Bowerman quote of, if you have a body, you're an athlete. Mm -hmm. And so with that impact, athletic performance was part of that. So I wanted people to understand that you do not have to be an athlete. You do not have to play sports. If you have a body, if you're chasing your kids around, chasing your grandkids around, then you have athletic ability. And so um, that's how uh, IAP started um, back in, I think we, we opened up our doors December 2018. Um, and then, as I mentioned, just recently, uh, at the beginning of the year, changed our name to what we feel is more appropriate. Um, when we added nutrition, um, this is 2022, right? <laughs> Uh, it's got my calendar on the wall says yes it is um it is august in 2022 we added nutrition as part of our um services and we needed to have our name reflect what we do um it didn't change how we do it mm -hmm. um i can thank the uh, pandemic for that and also dvrt but it more accurately reflects what we do for our athletes 
You know, and I just, as this conversation is already going, I think it's um, from my, from my looking from the outside in, I feel like when you, when you add athletic performance to any kind of business models name, there's kind of an exclusion to some degree, as much as you're trying to reach out and I get what you're saying, mm -hmm. but a lot of people might look at it and be like, okay, they must just be for athletes. And I'm just looking for a gym for the general, you know, Jane and John Doe. So it's nice that I think, and I, I, I kind of agree with you and I kind of disagree with that. We're going to get it out there is I understand that, that quote that everybody's an athlete, but I, I think the better, and I've made a few posts with this um, kind of because I hear that and I'm like, I don't know. But I do believe everybody should be athletic. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the human body. So just, and as you mentioned, I mean, you were an athlete, but our sport's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, for me personally, I mean, I'm just, it's my podcast. I can have my point of view, um, is the fact that like, yes, we're all athletic as human beings. I mean, our bodies are amazing how we're made and the, mm -hmm. the different planes of motion, what we can do in those movement patterns and how we can build on top of that as we chase around our kids. I mean, what was it one time, I think, a an Olympic gymnast, male gymnast was asked to follow around like a two-year-old or three-year-old or something for an hour or two. And they were physically exhausted from everything that that little child was doing. The gymnast had to replicate. And so, yes, we're very athletic. We're very wonderful people, but I want to, well, let's get back to you. <laughs> sure. I, boom. <laughs> Scott, I like you, but I disagree with you. Um, but no, I don't. Great I don't opening. I don't, I don't, right. So everybody's tuning out right now. Like, why do I want to? Or maybe they're like, ooh. Um, so no, I mean, I, we're on the same page with that. I just think, and I think it is a great thing for impact fitness and nutrition to be able to, like you said, you want that name to speak to the people. All right. So it's like, all of a sudden it's like impact fitness. Like, I think, I think impact is cool. Like, I just like that name. I'm yeah, I think it's cool. If I could do it over again, maybe I would be an impact. I don't know, but that's neat. I like it. Um, so let's keep talking about this and let's, before we start getting too far ahead, let's talk about little Scott. <laughs> so we joke about Iowa and I mean, that's where you're currently living, but give us a little yes. backdop of, you know, where you're born, where you're raised, those little interests that you had growing up. Um, wow. Um, definitely a lot to unpack. Um, and I'll, and I'll keep it more of a, of a carry on type of uh, story. Uh, I was born and raised in Richmond, Indiana. Um, and from my earliest recollection, I was always active. I was always that skinny little kid, hundred pounds soaking wet. I play, I never met a sport that I didn't like. I appreciated more than others. And, and there were some that was just like, eh, no big deal. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually I fell in love with golf and, and we'll maybe talk a little bit more about that after a while. Um, I'm the only Hoosier in my family. Now I'm a Hoosier by birth, but a Boilermaker by the grace of God, because there is a difference between being a <laughs> uh, Purdue University um, graduate and the um, that other little brother college that's in southern indiana and, and bloomington <laughs> indiana there's no you can't tell there is a huge conflict when it comes oh, to yeah. uh, purdue university and indiana university um and you know i went to school to be um an industrial designer mm -hmm. um i mean i played all this uh, as many sports as i could in 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 indiana i played uh even though i was 100 pounds soaking wet I was a place kicker for our football team. Um, I actually made the basketball team my freshman year. 
everybody else grew and then I became manager, um, very much a parallel to my brother's career. And then I played golf in the spring. Um, golf was my passion. It always has been from uh, third grade on. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, there's no happier place for me to be is in, on a golf course. Um, I, I compartmentalize everything and it's just about the golf game. Um, was lucky enough to uh, go to Purdue University. I actually played on the golf team there um, for three and a half of my four years um, when freshmen and sophomore were shooting the same scores as I was as a senior coach said, eh, listen, we got to give these guys an opportunity. No big deal. You can practice for free, play for free, have a day. Oh, sweet. And uh, I mean, I came in, I, I did not have a scholarship. I had an academic scholarship and, but I kept other golfers because of my work ethic. I kept uh, golfers who were on scholarship on the bench. I, I actually was able to play. We had some Boilermaker invitationals. So those were home meets and you had a, a B team and you could also have uh, some individuals play. But I qualified for two big national events. Um, there again, I was undersized, overmatched, but worked my tail off to be able to uh, do what I needed to do to um, actually qualify for these events. Um, Am, am I hearing this right, though, that you are the golfing Rudy then? I mean, from another <laughs> from another university in Ooh, southern Indiana? That's another sore spot with that other university, too, just oh, to I'm the a, north of West Lafayette. I'm a Notre Dame kind of guy, but <laughs> you, you make it sound like you're some kind of Rudy Rudiger going on from the golfing standpoint. You know, I think if I take a step back, yes. Um, I didn't have the best equipment. I didn't have... Um, the instruction, um, when I was in high school, I didn't play in all the junior tournaments. Um, so yeah, I guess you could say I was a little bit of a Rudy type of athlete, but that's Um, cool. We love the underdogs though. Yeah, uh, we do. Um, and you know, and I, and (laughs) I, I went to Purdue, I played golf and oh yeah, I also had a a degree that I had to make sure that uh, I took care of. And that was in industrial design. Um, basically consumer product design. And so, you know, the farthest thing for me was doing anything in the fitness industry. Um, You know, and listening to uh, prior podcasts with Robin, you know, she's um, what sociology and and music. Music. Yes. She was a singer, (laughs) but she went, she went sting for us. I was a little disappointed. (laughs) And, and and don't worry if I sing, it'll be solo and solo. You can't hear it. Um, And so, um, you know, I got, I got my degree in four years and, and then went out and I had that choice. It's like, well, am I going to play golf or am I going to have a, you know, have a meaningful career in my degree? And, and I chose, I chose the degree path. Um, I don't have any regrets in that. Um, I often think, wow, what, what could have happened? But, um, you know, one of my first jobs out of school, I actually, and you're going to love this. And I, I can't remember if, I, if you know the story or not. I, my first true design job out of school, um, I designed caskets. Yes. Cause I was going to bring that up. Cause I remember somewhere we were talking about the fact of like, why is Scott? Like, I remember he had something to do with coffins and caskets. So yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have been in the death care business, which is what they call it. Caskets, urns. I've been on the healthcare side. Um, and that's designing, um, hospital room environments, hospital beds, 
um, healthcare furniture. I have also designed um, products for companies such as um, uh, GE and Amana. Um, so on more of the, the soft goods side, I guess. And then um, moved out to Iowa here. Oh my gosh, 2007. I feel so old now. Um, 15 years ago and designing um, more education furniture, also healthcare furniture, et cetera. So I feel like I have run the gamut of design, um, started getting into more strategy portion um, the last, let's say, four or five years of my, uh, my actual corporate gig um, before I started Impact. Yeah. And so let's talk about that transition because we're in this realm of, you know, and let's just, let's also, let's clear the table on this. You're, you're better than Rudy as a golfer because Rudy was the one that had to sit on the bench. You actually kept scholarship athletes on the bench because of your performance. So you're one step ahead. I mean, we're just going to say, you know, instead of like the, you're the Rudy Ruger, you're going to be the Scott Schultz. That's going to be the new compliment. <laughs> like, Hey, you must be a Scott Schultz anyway. Perfect. Um, but you know, we got to tie in, like at some point you go from being at Purdue doing all this stuff, not having any inclination towards any kind of strength training or fitness and you open impact. So there's gotta be something like a moment where you tripped over fitness somehow. Right. Well, and I remember back to my high school days, um, we would have days called PTAs, pain, torture, agony, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you roll your eyes. And, and I look back and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what are these people doing? And, and this was all in the, you know, the guys of football training. And so I was introduced to it then, but, but Corey, I was, like I said, I was five, six, a hundred pounds soaking wet. I was definitely a, a late bloomer. Um, but I never really had the instruction of how to properly bench press. And, you know, back then it was the, you know, uh, back squat, bench press, deadlift, the big three. And I, oh, yeah. I didn't really have, it was just like, okay, uh, go do this and we want you to do it this quick and we want you to do it in an hour and then next day we're going to do something else. Wait, are you talking about the gym down my street here? <laughs> Maybe. Like, hey, we just want you to do this, do it in this amount of time and let's just get through it and then next time we'll do something different. Exactly. Yeah. Still and hasn't changed. It's still, it's still, um, what'd you call it? PTA? Was it? PTA, uh, pain, torture, agony. I think that's what we as, we as football players called it. But, you know, quite honestly, there wasn't any regiment to workouts. Um, and this is this is the late this is uh, 86 to 88, I guess, 85 to 88 um, in, in my high school years, even transitioning to Purdue. Um, there was no and, and I don't want to call it golf specific, but there was no strength and conditioning coach to be able to come to me and say, hey, as a golfer, these are the things that you should be looking at. Um you know, you know, I feel like from my point of view, once again, they didn't do that because they didn't know what to do for golf. Oh, exactly. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, football, we know what we got to do. Get bigger, mm-hmm. big, stronger, you know, let's lift more weights because that's going to translate in the field. Not really, but that's what we're thinking, right? The bigger the athlete, the stronger the athlete, but we're not thinking about injury prevention either, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get to basketball and the basketball is a little tricky because it's like, well, do we really want to work these people out? You know, do we want them to train hard, swim? I mean, like, it's basically, it feels like, strength and conditioning was meant just for football right yes. i mean because you couldn't what, what, how could you help a golfer in a weight room you know we know now like i've I got endless things for golfers mm-hmm. but when all your when all you have is barbells and plates and dumbbells and you have a golfer that's trying to work on a swing 
you really don't have much. Exactly. And I, I think Tiger Woods, when he came out um, in 97, uh, the 1997 timeframe, he flipped the golf world on yep. its ear in terms of fitness and, and what lifting weights could be. Now, it was still kind of the same, same things. Um, and, and quite honestly, Corey, I see right now, even our high school programs, it is a one size, the perception of one size fits all. So, oh, hey, if it works for football that we can do hang cleans, we can do deadlifts, we can do back squats, um, some front squats. Um, if we, if it's good enough for football, it should be good enough to be able to develop strength into these other, uh, sports, not knowing what the true demands of the discipline are. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I went into Purdue, I went into the, the weight room, uh, my freshman year. And I just, I mean, my jaw dropped and I'm like, this is not the place for me. And, um, I just started doing my own kind of just throwing some things together. Um, and it was just, it, it, it was a less intimidating environment, what I was doing at what we called our co-rec, um, center versus going into the strength and conditioning. But I was also not intelligent or not smart enough to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I wish I could go back and say, you know what, I want to look, I want to talk to the strength and conditioning coach. What can we design or, or what, you know, what are the aspects of the swing that maybe this person could actually help with? Um, so I just chose to do nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, when I got out of college, um, hit the real world, got the job, got the girl, um, the house and, you know, I had this grandiose vision of what life after college was going to be. I actually stopped playing golf. Um, and then after that, uh, I got divorced, started playing golf again. It's Matt, it's a, it's a weird correlation there. And, um, <laughs> you know, and then I just, I just played golf wherever I worked. Um, I was in, you know, Southern Indiana for, for the longest time, went to Louisville for a couple of years and moved out here. And just through happenstance, um, small world of the, I lived in this small little um, Catholic community in Southern Indiana, Batesville, Indiana, um, 4,500 people and uh, very tight knit. And um, the church I had gone to at that time, when I moved here to Batesville, excuse me, moved here to Muscatine, then I had someone, I had, um, my friend's parents approached me and say, hey, our friends just opened up this CrossFit gym. Actually, I didn't even use the word CrossFit. They just opened up a new gym. Um, you should go out and check it out. And so I went down there, introduced myself. Um, uh, the owner at the time, he and I actually lived in the same city, not even knowing each other. Hmm. And like I said, very small world and was introduced to uh, the world of CrossFit at that time. That was about 2008, I think the fall of 2008, and really then began to take my, um, my fitness journey a little bit more serious. And so how, when you first started doing CrossFit as a person, because I mean, this is your first splash besides your your little stint in college, right? Where you didn't know what you're doing. So all of a sudden now you, you get immersed in a CrossFit like this. And I mean, I've never done CrossFit. I've just got to put that out as a disclaimer. So I don't, I don't say anything wrong or anything, but 
I do understand and appreciate that all CrossFit gyms are a little bit different just depending on how they do it. So I'm not quite sure, but I mean, you mainly go to CrossFit. What was your first, like, what was your first impression on that? Um, it was getting thrown into the deep end and really not knowing how my body moved mm-hmm. and, you know, going into trying to deadlift, trying to learn how to kip for a push up. My jam at the time was double unders. I can okay. rock double unders like nobody's business. There's that, there's that, there's that hundred pound soaking wet person coming out, you know, just that rye kind of strength, right? I have always been, I've never been built for strength. Um, I've, you know, I'm not one to, uh, heck, I finally crested uh, a 400 pound deadlift um, this year. Okay. Um, now that was a trap bar, but it's one of those things is like, oh, I want to be able to bench press 200 pounds. Um, I want to be able to back squat 300 and I want to be able to deadlift 400. I never mm-hmm. obtained any of those. Right. Um, what I found was that my body, I don't want to say it was broken, but there were some underlying factors of from playing softball, from just you know, living up until what's the 15 years ago, you know, oh, 30 at the time, 37, 38 years of my life blissfully unaware of how my body was not functioning properly which is amazing because you talk about this but the golf swing is so complex Mm -hmm. and if you're so good at golf like it's just funny how your body might not have like awareness and other movement patterns but how like years of practice or what have you maybe some compensations that you were able to master a golf swing yeah and and for me uh, my golf swing was all based off of tempo Um, But I had two uh, swing flaws that if my body wasn't in tempo, if I wasn't feeling well that day or or whatever, um, if that tempo was off, I was all over the golf course. When I was on, I was on. I was was, was fairly good. Um, But not knowing how the body needed to properly operate. that was detrimental to me. And so um, I kind of train kind of derailed on that one, but um, I started, started this journey with, with CrossFit going, Oh, you know, I can get stronger. Um, You know, I think in the back of my mind, I was always that hundred pound weakling, if you will. So I've always had body image concerns. I don't want to say problems, Um, but I've always had that. I was always smaller. I was, I was always running. (laughs) I was, I was way on a calorie deficit. Um, Mm -hmm. I was expending more than I was putting in. Um, but I just found that as I was going, I really liked it, but boy, I was getting, I was, I was hurting because I didn't know why my back would lock up doing deadlifts. I had zero clue why like, Oh, it's just part of the process. No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Right. And so where in this journey were you thinking, man, I need to just stop doing what I got my degree in and start owning a gym? Because that's quite a transition and a scary one at that. <laughs> um, and this was this started, I would say, um, about the summer of 2017. So not actually not too far um not too long ago. Yeah. Um, 
my workout would be I would go as hard as I could from basically my off season would be mid to late October through February and just pounding my body four or five times a week, not recovering, not understanding sleep, not understanding uh, the nutrition portion of it. Um, and it, it really came to a point when I was doing a, a workout, uh, what did I say in 2016 and it was a workout where I had to do 225 pound deadlifts for 55 reps. Then you row 55 calories, 55 wall balls, then 55 handstand pushups. And <clears throat> I knew how to partition the deadlifts and how I wanted to do it. And oh, by the way, you had 13 minutes to do this. <laughs> of course. Well, yeah, you can't just have your own time. And so two sets into my deadlifts of five, my left hip pop. I mean, it was, it was something, it took my breath away. Mm -hmm. I regrouped and I kept going. I didn't have anybody. I didn't didn't have anybody (laughs) telling me, Scott, step away or tackle me or do anything to be able to say, stop what you're doing. Mm. I almost went into a vanilla ice moment. Sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Granted. I continued on. When all the adrenaline wore off, I had sat down and I couldn't get back up. Yeah. I couldn't even walk out. And I go, and I'm just in, it's like, what am I doing? Because, you know, I wanted to play golf here in about four or five weeks. And here I am, I've just blown out my hip. I didn't know what I did. I said, there's got to be a better way. And so I started doing my own research. And with that, I found some friends down in Scottsdale, and you know one of these friends at Premier Fitness Systems, uh, Paige Fleshman. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg, um, down there at, um, at PFS, they had a golf mobility workshop. And so it's like, you know what, I'm going to go down. I want to check this out. I want to see what this is about. They, they work with PGA Tour stars. They work with Major League Baseball players, LPGA, and whatnot. I went down there, and Corey, my mind was blown. It was like, I mean, it was a mess and in a good way. Yeah. And I go, this is it. This is that difference. And it was all about movement. Not so much DVRT. I was, that was, I had just scratched the surface with Paige um, in regards to DVRT. Cause they had, I think they, they had a couple core bags and um, maybe a couple strength bags. And, but we didn't do anything. I just, I, I, I knew something was there. And so January of 18, a uh, corporate gig went bye-bye and it's like, crap, now what do I, what do I do when I grow up? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, there's something to this. So I, I again, went back to PFS. They had another workshop. Um, I found another UN yoga for golfers, Catherine Roberts, uh, just a tremendous soul down in Scottsdale. And, and took her class. And it's just like, wow, there's so much more to, to lifting and being strong than just seeing how much I could lift and seeing how quickly I could lift that. And, um, you know, taking those classes again, my mind was blown and I just, and, and impact was sort of born at that moment that, I don't think I would have started Impact doing my regular job. I don't think I could have done that. 
But when, when it came to it, I go, you know what? I don't want to lose this opportunity. I don't want to get back into another corporate gig and go, well, what if I just, what, what would have happened if I really started um, this fitness portion of my life? And um, what, uh, roughly 10 months later is when we opened up our doors um, and listed a lot of, um, you know, just looking at DVRT online and whatnot, not knowing what it was all about. And I just knew I was doing um, some boot camp coaching, just throwing stuff against the wall to see what worked. And, and people loved it. Like, <laughs> oh, let's do this. Let's do this. Oh, okay. And they were like, oh my gosh, that was the hardest workout. That was great. You, you know, you're really good at this. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, put that in the memory bank. When I opened up Impact, I had zero clue what I was doing, <laughs> Sure, yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. to be honest. Um, and, you know, and, and I, I will tell you, and this may be a conversation here for a couple minutes, um, COVID was the best thing. The COVID shutdown was the best thing that ever happened to us. Not a lot of people say that. You got to explain that now. <laughs> yes. Um, I was, ha- you know, not necessarily understanding all of the planes of motion, sagittal, frontal, transverse, and how to be able to program correctly. Um, you and I had met at uh, Perform Better, and I started getting a, a little bit more of an inclination to that, started diving into DVRT a little bit more. Um, when we were forced to shut down, this was uh, St. Patrick's Day. We said, oh, goodness, what are we going to do? And I dove further into DVRT. And matter of fact, uh, there was there was a module that you had created. I know you cringe. Every, you, I think I've told you the story. You cringe when you go, oh, that one. It's like, oh. But that was where I finally started to get it. Yeah. And, you know, and we, when we shut down, we gave out all of our equipment. And um, that's kettlebells and sandbags. Um, we had some stick mobility as well, which when I was up in lacrosse in, in April, I wish I would have gotten uh, a few minutes with you to, to show you the benefits of that. But when we started supplying workouts to our group, they really started responding because it was so simple to be able to say, okay, we're going to do 20 seconds worth of work, 40 seconds worth of rest, 30, 30, and, 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 then, the, and then get into flows. There, the, there was a response to that. And so as we came out, uh, we were down for eight weeks. So we had to figure out how we could do this safely at the time. And we just created little workout boxes for everybody because it's like, well, okay, well, you know, as long as you're X distance apart, you can still do this. And starting to work on those MRTs. And again, people started responding to it. This wasn't me just going, okay, we're going to do this over here. We're going to do this over here, this over here, and this over here. Now my mind, you know, I'm, I'm, my head's on a swivel trying to figure out who am I going to watch. Now I have everybody doing the same thing. I can modify appropriately for their success. And my mental state kind of eased off because now I could, I'm, I'm just looking at one particular movement. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, it was, that's why I say COVID was the best thing to happen to us because it, it allowed us to reframe our business 
and especially how I created workouts. And it's been full on since. That's awesome. I mean, and that's, you said it so well, like that is the beauty of the system is how you can be a better coach, you know, because that's what your, that's what your people pay you for is yes. I mean, they can get training sessions anywhere. Yes. Now the effectiveness and the efficiency and the fruitfulness of these sessions can be debated. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, if they just want a sweaty sesh, they could just go on YouTube and figure something out. But when you can bring in that coaching expertise and you could just say a few little things and you can make a big difference and you could really change somebody's physical well-being, you know, and like one moment something hurts and you can get them out of pain that quickly and they could still be successful, man, they really cling to that. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, yeah. it's that unicorn. They don't want, they want to keep it. You know, they, they don't, why would they want to go somewhere else where they do feel a little bit of pain? And then it is, it's just such a great scene, you know, when you could look at your DVRT training floor and it's almost like things just make sense in your brain to the point where you might have different stations or little, you know, exercise pods as you guys had, mm-hmm. and you might have a hip hinge station, but you may have three different exercises going on depending on the people's ability levels. So, you know, you might have somebody doing a straight out deadlift. You might have somebody doing a good morning and you might have somebody doing a power clean. It's just all, but you're honoring the movement pattern and you're, yes. you're also honoring the people's ability levels that you're not giving something to someone that doesn't deserve it is not the right word, hasn't earned it. And that's what we like to use at Fitness Line Down is the fact that, you know, sometimes in group training or well, in any kind of training, or even our semi-private, people are like, I want to do that. And so you got to earn that first. <laughs> you know, we have to go through the progressions. And I, I don't think people can appreciate the beauty of the system. Right. You know that. And I know when I talk to, to people that are interested in the gym and I say, hey, we have a system of training. I'm sure anybody worth their salt will say they have some kind of system. But this, I mean, I've been in the industry for over 20 years. I have never seen anything so complete and to answer my questions, you know, I mean, if, if something's painful, like, you know, you just think about in your CrossFit days when your back or your hip popped and you seized up, like nobody could tell you could coach you out of that because nobody really knew. They're just like, well, maybe go faster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get through the pain quicker. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Just walk it off and come back, you know, or you got a bro or something, you know, just like there's, and people deserve better than that. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that, how you figured that out by going to Arizona and feeling like, well, this is something totally different, being inspired because, you know, as you lost your job, I lost my job and necessity breeds innovation. You know, like I need to find an income now. And this is something that I want to bring back. And you could think of in a small town like Muscatine, Iowa, that there's nothing like that. So now Correct. all of a sudden you can be set apart from the typical gyms. Mm-hmm. Um, now I do laugh sometimes because, you know, we'll talk, I'll meet somebody on the street or whatnot, or, you know, we'll be talking to somebody at a party or some kind of family get together or friends get together. And, oh, so you own a gym, huh? What is it you do? And honestly, I try to keep it as general as I can nowadays because I don't go to parties looking for leads. <laughs> you know, I'm, no. not, I'm not trying to sign somebody up. So I'm like, oh, you know, we use sandbags and we squat and we, you know, we do some power cleans. They're like, oh, I do that at my gym too. I'm like, I bet you do. You know, and it's yeah. like, just walk away, you know, because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to parties to argue or anything like that. And I'm, yeah, I just don't need to, but it is funny how people will sometimes be, you know, oh yeah, well I do that at my gym too. And it's like, yeah, no, you don't, but you know, not just, like we do. 
keep on with yourself there. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I was, I was, um, you know, and I enjoyed the, uh, the podcast, um, you were running solo and you just talk about what is strength or what is being strong. And I was strong, uh, stronger than I ever been. Um, I probably weighed the most I ever did. because I was taking creatine. I weighed 20 pounds more than what I weigh now. Um, I was strong, but I wasn't movement strong. Correct. And that was what, you know, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of where we are now being movement strong. Well, and that's, you know, as we talked about your football programs in the past and, you know, you, you correlate somebody as being big as being strong and that they can, you know, but that strength is not very injury resilient. Um, Correct. You know, it's very unbalanced and that's, you know, that's the one thing I, I just feel like lately in my head and on the training floor, I, I repeat myself many times and our clients know this, but sometimes even though I might say the same thing a hundred times in the span of so many years in their life here, sometimes it's like, Oh, wow. I never thought about that. And it's just something clicks. Right. But the one thing I love about DVRT besides everything is the, the fact that we can focus on deceleration. Yes. You know, we're so busy focusing in typical gym fashions about what we call the concentric, right? The, the up phase. So, you know, we think about in a barbell bag squat, it's nobody even thinks about, except the people that know what they're doing, right? So our, our professional power lifters out there, they know what they're doing. And I've said before in other podcasts, I'm gonna say it again, all those people, the amount of weight they lift, that is hard on the body, but that's a sport in itself. Just like your football sports, your basketball sports, you're gonna have these aches and pains and injuries that are going to carry on after you retire, right? Mm -hmm. But they know what they're doing to lift that weight. They have to do it or else they're going to be crushed under that weight. The novice or even the person that might think of themselves as experienced walking into gyms, when they squat, they're only thinking about rising up. They never think about the descent portion, right? Right. And it's funny. I've had conversations with this before, like how people think squats are the big, you know, the kings of lower body exercises. And lunges are just kind of the auxiliary lift. But for a lot of people, they don't like to do lunges because they're so darn hard. And <laughs> they don't understand it because it's like they equate the weight that you're lifting with the, 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 the priority of that exercise. So squats, I can, I can barbell back squat a lot of weight because it's very stable on my back. My feet are flat on the ground, very stable position. I go to a lunge and I'm using you know way less weight than I was at the barbell back squat why is it so much harder? <laughs> you know, so we don't, we don't understand and appreciate it. And I'll even be honest, going through a four-year degree in exercise and sports science, this was never broken down. This is never broken down. Why the lunge is more neurologically taxing and demanding than a squat. Right. And it's just, it's very sad. I, it, I, I lament the fact that this is kind of the education, um, you know, that everything I've learned that I offer for fitness lying down, I don't know if a lot of it came from my formal education, right? So here we are, we've got impact. And I think, I mean, is there a backstory? I mean, I understand impact, but was there like a backstory why you chose the name? Um, I think it was really just the double entendre of the word impact that um, the way fitness can be an impact on your own life, but then also how that impacts the community. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people talk community. Um, you know, we try to be, we're, we're as active as it, we have time for with 
uh, whether it's walk to end Alzheimer's coming up in September or you know something with the Salvation Army um, in December, where and that's a story for probably another time as well. The 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 fun antics that we that I do during that time. Um, but it was just, especially with the hashtag of know your impact, what is the impact to you personally, your own life, um, being able to move better, maybe you're diabetic, getting your A1C down, um, maybe you're going through um, a tough mental time. And again, that was on the previous um, podcast of yours with, with Josh, talking about how can, how can we get you out of this funk to be able to to create an opportunity for you to maybe not be on meds, but to be able to find this release for you that you're not forced to come here, but something that you do want to do and be able to create that better impact to your life. And so um, it's always been impact. And that's, and that's the funny thing. And, and when we were putting the finishing touches on the old studio, my brother and niece were in here and, and Autumn uh, was my girlfriend at the time. It's like, you know, we're throwing some hashtags around because, you know, we always need the hashtags. And and it was really it was Autumn coming up with the know your impact and, and just how that makes you feel in regards to what it means. And it's and it's personal to everybody. Um, you know, I think it, it's not necessarily changes on a daily basis, but it, it hits differently. Uh, you know, you're talking about your, you were saying, um, you'd say the same thing a hundred times over somebody's life span in, inside FLD. Have you ever heard, have you ever listened to the same song? All of a sudden, sometimes it just hits differently. Absolutely. And all of a sudden you get that cue that hits differently. That song that hits differently. Yeah. You're getting, uh, you're getting, uh, I don't know what we call this podcast bombed. <laughs> Look over your left shoulder, boss. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just want to make sure there's no emergency that your wife's coming in and needs I saw something. this and I'm like, what? It's like, I'm, I'm, because That's I love to talk Five minutes out, five minutes out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> hello, Autumn. Good to see you. Come on in. Say hi. <laughs> um, hi. And that's. <laughs> yes, hi. I have the story. story right now, by the way. It's a good story. And now it's, it's officially on forever in the podcast universe. <laughs> yes, it is. So then, yeah, we moved to another studio. Tell me about that a little bit. Um, we were looking for, for other opportunities in regards to the space. Now, the interesting thing is, is that um, we were, I think dimension-wise, the, the space we had was adequate, but I had no wall space. So I was, and it was... Um, concrete block on all four sides. Um, and so trying to put something into the wall was a little difficult. Um, and I know we wanted to do suspension training, a little bit more of that. Um, and quite honestly, where we were at was called a sportsplex, but it was the sports portion of it was moving out. Okay. And so we looked around and... Uh, our local mall um, is uh, was definitely needing um, people to take up the space. Um, it's you know just like the all malls across the U.S. Um, getting out of um, getting out of the malls, but we saw that as an opportunity. And with the space we chose, 
we could then basically, I think we almost, uh, I know we doubled at least our available space. So now we have a retail space. I added 10 feet of space uh, for our workout area. I and you got turf, you got turf. I have turf. I was there to help you out. Yeah, you were. I mean, yeah. I wasn't there, but I was, you know, I was. I... You had me on the hookup in terms of um, the, the turf that we got. Um, again, suspension training. And then like the back 30 feet is really for golf performance. Uh, I have a golf simulator back there, launch monitor. Uh, hopefully we can, um, we're, we're trying to launch, if you will, some, uh, some uh, golf performance plans over the winter with uh, our, our local golf pro here, being able to combine proper warmups, then the actual lesson trying to work that out and that that back 30 feet is a little bit more of our um i guess what you would see elsewhere we have some straight bars and quite honestly Corey, i sold one of the straight bars i just i very rarely use them anymore um but well, you know what they bar, you know what they say right you, you don't that? need a bar to have a happy hour <laughs> i like that <laughs> that's something we're coming up with this is another shirt idea it's another coming. shirt idea <laughs> and so you know now and now we have an area where um our uh one we can store all of this uh stuff that we're not using at the time um and our nutrition supplements uh we have a, like a little uh, athlete's lounge that they can use we have bathroom and, and it's all not associated with the workout floor so um, it was a, it was a really good move for us. And one of our requirements, because this was a mall, we hadn't needed, had to have a back entrance because we couldn't rely on getting in the front door to the mall because it wasn't open for a 530 in the morning class. Um, but the, all those uh, check boxes were, were taken care of. The only thing that we haven't been able to figure out correctly right now is aerial yoga. Um, and it's and that is that's Autumn's gig. Um and had some really good classes and good fun with Ariel. And I think, you know, there again, we're trying to um, find some people that are smarter than us in regards to affixing the, uh, the silks um, to the metal rafters um, through our drop ceiling. But if there's one thing that we didn't check the box on, it was that, but it, that's not the major player for what we do. Yeah. Well, no, that just sounds, it's such a great thing. And I truly want to come down and visit again and see the new space because I've seen it on your social and things like that. And it looks fantastic. The, um, the, the turf is not as soft as yours there at FLD. It um, has to be I, worn in a little bit. I think so. Yeah. No, <laughs> well, I, I know plenty so. plenty worn in time for sure. Yeah. It's uh, it, it takes a little while before it kind of gets a little less prickly. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I've, I can go on about some of the different turf things we've had and how people have had bloody arms. That's another story. Um, so as I'm thinking about it, I, I kind of want to wrap this up. But the one thing I want to talk about uh, is maybe as you've listened to a few of the other podcasts, I used to have this thing where I call it the five random questions. Oh, boy. I, well, no, see, you know, I, I'm going to change course here. This is going to be the first Ooh, time. So you get okay. to be the uh, guinea pig. All right. Is I, I'm kind of inspired by some other podcasts I've heard, and they talk about their three questions. And I love their three questions because I think you can really find a lot about somebody. So the five random questions, yeah, you can find out some more, but I think this is a little more specific. Okay. So I'm kind of excited to hear these answers. Me too. <laughs> Question number one. If you could plan your last meal, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I don't think there's any question as much as a, a meat and potatoes guy as I am. 
I would have so much sushi that I would grow gills. <laughs> That's a lot of sushi, I think. That's a lot of seaweed and eels oh, and things like that. That That is my happy food. And I'm not saying no, like I like a good sushi, but... And I guess what I what I maybe am stricken by is how like certain you are about this. Like you, you didn't really think about that. I feel like you've been thinking about this for like yeah. You haven't like it wasn't a I gotta think about this. I feel like you've been thinking about this. Like, <laughs> well, hey, I, hope I'm I'm my... not, I hope I haven't been thinking about it. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a great fillet and a, and a wonderful sweet potato and you know wonderful salad. But I, I don't know what what the I have put it this way, Corey. I have lived. I haven't lived a complete lifetime of eating sushi. My dad, I said, Oh, I'm going to go have sushi tonight. Oh, that's bait. And you know, (laughs) God love him. He's, he's, he's 92. He's stuck in his ways. Um, but I found sushi when I was, uh, working in Louisville. So this was 2005. So roughly what, 17 years ago, I'm trying to make up for life for lost time. I, I, first time I had it, I fell in love with it. It's like, I gotta, I could have this three days a week or three times. I just, a day. I just have to ask, do they have a place in Muscatine that has quality sushi? Um, yeah, they do. Um, okay. I mean, it's not, you know, it, it's as good as it's, it's going to be. Um, <laughs> there's nothing that's caught from the river. <laughs> the river that's that we share that, between us that's, and lacrosse. That's very safe. That's very safe. Okay. Uh, question number two, if you could like have a do-over, so maybe it's not fitness, maybe it's not um, the commercial design or the um, the design that you had, you got a blue sky ahead of you and you could fill it with anything, what would you be? You know, I think I uh, would have definitely enjoyed trying to play on the PGA Tour. I mean, I felt like this is where it's going to be inevitably because... I don't want to say there was like past regrets from what you're saying. Like you don't regret going into your degree, but I mean, am I right though? At any point you could like try to qualify for an amateur, right? Like, I mean, you could get back on there. It's not like, it's not like football or something where you're past your prime because you're a certain age. Well, and I mean, there's such a delicate balance uh, with golf. I mean, when you, when you talk about the difference between the, um, the casual uh, people that go out and, just the low ranking amateurs, the local amateurs that are really good. Um, you know, the gap is, I'll try to go here. There's the gap. As a podcast, people see this. Yes, I know. Right. <laughs> it looks, it looks like the gap is about eight, 16 to 18 inches. <laughs> yes. It's, think of a, think of a subway foot long. There you go. And so then when you get to those local amateurs that are really good, The amateurs that you just, um, if you happen to watch the U.S. amateur over this past weekend, those guys are really, really good. Um, Then, and so now that gap narrows um, in terms of how good you have to be. Then you have those top top ranked uh, amateurs, and then you go into the the lower tier um, pros that are going out shooting four, five, six under, probably on a bad day. (laughs) <laughs> and then you have the um, the golfers that are on the PGA Tour making a nice living. Then you have the people such as Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, who are major winners, Justin Thomas, all these guys coming out. And so when you start getting to that level, the difference is razor thin. And But the difference being that they live, eat, breathe golf, 
um, even as uh, you know, uh, married and having that having kids of their own, that's such an elite level. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's. I would still love to have gone after um, and see what I could have done. Um, I just, I, I think it was more of the, you know, graduate in four years. Um, get the wife, get the house, get the 2.4 kids, the white picket fence, that type of, um, I, I guess that type of, of feeling or thought that I had in my mind. And I equate it to, you know, doing the workout, uh, you know, I'm deadlifting 225. I wish somebody would have stopped me. <laughs> yeah, no, and so, no. You know, at, at early 20s, mid 20s, are you sure you, this is the route you want to take? Why not <laughs> take that chance? Yeah. So if I could well, do it, I'd do the, uh, I'd, I'd really would have liked to gone after the PGA tour. Um, even now, I mean, I have an opportunity. U S mid am starts at 55. I'm 52. Um, I can still play some, uh, oh, that's a senior am, excuse me. Okay. Um, mid am, I can still do some things, but, um, you know, yeah. Anything championship tour related. That's, that's uh, definitely out of my reach now. Well, I think myself and a few other people included are happy you took the route you did. <laughs> well, uh, okay, so the last question here mm -hmm. um, is is kind of like an, a motivational question, right? Okay. Uh, I there's like two ways that people are motivated, and we call it the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Now, we're not saying that people, you know, like of course everybody wants to win, mm -hmm. and you know we don't want to just sit there and lose. But what I mean by this is the fact that you're motivated. You know, the thrill of victory person is kind of like that that optimist that's always trying to climb the hill, right? Like they're just looking for that next win, and that's what motivates them every day, daily. The agony and defeat, again, they're not, it's not that they don't want to win, but whenever they do win, they maybe enjoy it for like a couple of seconds, right? And then they, but what they hang on to, like a, in things in a backpack, is all their failures that they've done. They're motivated to not repeat those, right? So it's kind of a general brush, but how would you define your motivation? Are you more of the thrill of victory? Or are you more of the agony of defeat kind of guy? Wow. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to tell you one story to tell you another. Um, in golf, we unfortunately think about all the bad things or the bad shots or the stupid shots that we did in terms of how we played. Uh, my career low rounds, it was about three years ago. I shoot 66 and uh, at this municipal golf course uh, locally, there's two par fives that, um, you know, I feel I could have done so much better. I par the la I par all three uh, in the end. I'm six under going into the last three. When I putted out on 18, Corey, I was so mad. I lost track and I'll probably get emotional on this, but I lost track of all the good stuff that I did during that round. All I could think of was that I just parred two of the easiest par fives on this golf course and I could have shot better. Hmm. And so, you know, trying to me, I, I feel as if, that's just my, my own emotional baggage that I carry around. Golf is a lot like life. We always, we, we, if we bang our toe on, on the, um, on the bed, or if we trip over a cat and break our ankle, wink, 
<laughs> wink. That's a dirty wink. That we remember these bad things. And so we, we just hold on to these for some stupid reason and don't celebrate all the good things. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, the thrill of victory, I feel as if I'm a servant. That this journey that I'm on right now is to help others. And when, when I see success stories of people moving better than they ever have in their life, that, and they come up to me, so I could not even reach my hand behind my uh, head to adjust my own tie. I had my, have my, my wife do it. He goes, now I can do this on my own because I have better shoulder mobility. Or I can move something out of the way, squat down and, and take this outlet. When I hear those stories or somebody you know, lifting more or lifting pain-free especially, when I hear those stories, that's, you know, that makes me happier than anybody in the world. Um, because I know I feel as if I'm doing something correct and I'm doing something right by making a positive impact on these people. Okay. So we got to cut it down now. Did I have an answer? I kind of there really is there, there is no answer. You got to say it right now, present day, making a defeat, thrill of victory. Which one I prefer? Well, which one are you motivated by today? I am motivated by. Oh gosh, so difficult. It, it's um, a general thing. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, but there's no right answer. I think I'm. I think I still am motivated by um, uh, the thrill of victory, and it's the thrill awesome. of victory for others. Yeah. No, that's. That's great. Like it's there's no wrong answer here, and I I, I totally be, I love the breakdown of the explanation. So I appreciate that, Scott. And I do have to get you on sometime because I had so many more questions to answer. But I loved. I mean, my initial thing was that I just wanted to hear the backstory, get it going on with Impact Fitness. We'll talk about the orange shirt later because you say there's a story behind that. And I don't know if it's because you're a secret Dolphins fan or something. That's all I see. Oh, gosh, anyway. No. No. Okay, <laughs> Um, so with that being said, Scott, I appreciate you taking the time and being on the Fitness Line Down podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you uh, having me on and asking me. And uh, yeah, I'd love to anytime. Wonderful. And for all of my friends out there listening, thank you for tuning in. Until the next time that we speak, Godspeed.